Right, morning everybody. Um, great to see you all. And this session uh, is coming to you from, from Ireland, from, um, from Bewley's Cafe. Um, Philip's going to introduce himself in just a minute, but just before we get going, Philip, here's a slide up about Bewley's. Just say a little bit about this family business. Yeah, Bewley's was uh, founded in, in 1840 and remained within the Bewley family uh, until sort of the 1970s, 1980s, and was bought by the Campbells. It's one of those stories of a family business being bought by a family business. And they were originally in catering, but then focused on the coffee, and it's all about the coffee. So they blend and blend coffee, sell it. Um, and I've known the, the, this family for many, many years and would thank them for inviting us here. They are, I believe, still members of the IFB and, of course, as were one of the founding members with me of the Family Business Network in Ireland. So we are right in the heart of Dublin. Yeah, amazing to be here having Strategy Cafe uh, for the first time live in a, in a coffee shop, which, yeah. is, which is very cool. So, so last time we talked about uh, succession and family business dynamic a little bit, and uh, we talked more around you know, bringing people into the family business and how to manage that. Uh, with lots of ideas um, about, um, you know, the issues that people feel when they come in, whether they have imposter syndrome, uh, whether they feel they really deserve their place, whether that kind of inspires them to have a kind of fight flight response, and then, you know, like different ways of thinking about managing it. And uh, there's a great session on that, um, and uh, you can find it. And um, what you need to do is just uh, head over to our um, uh, YouTube channel, um, and uh, so here it is. If you just go over to YouTube, if you just search for Olympic Strategy, uh, you can see here all of our Strategy Cafe videos going back over the years. And it's a great place to go and get tips from all sorts of leaders and from us on uh, managing a business and driving that growth. And you can see here last month's session. Uh, so if you want to go and just pick up some tips on that, that's the place to go find it. I'm just coming back to the slides. So as, um, today, we're just going to go deep dive on succession. Um, and before we get into that, uh, we should uh, do introductions. So um, you guys know me. I'm, I'm the managing director here. Matt, introduce yourself uh, to everybody. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, perhaps some of you know me as well. Uh, for those of you who don't, I'm Matt. I'm one of the senior strategy facilitators and client managers at Lembeck. Uh, while my background is in private healthcare, today I help leaders from businesses from all different sectors, solve some of their really tricky problems. Um, I like to do this with a mix of uh, facilitation, coaching, training, and whatever else we can kind of put together that helps people out. Oh, wonderful. And um, Philip, uh, tell everyone a little bit about you. And also, we need to reference this sign behind you. <laughs> okay. Good morning, everybody. My name is Philip McKeown. I'll try and paraphrase. I I'm from a fifth-generation family business, the Musgrave Group, or Food Wholesaling. Founded in 1876, so you can think back to where, where you all were then. Um, our, um, we are in food wholesaling. I, I've occupied a number of roles as owner, as manager, and, and I was a director on the board for 10 years, and then was on the family council and head of the family council. I think second piece, my passion and my interest is in within the education and networking, particularly for the next generation of successors. I set up an academy to work with our successors. At the time, it was about 60 or 70. I think there's more now. It was a visiting lecturer in family business and strategy within University College Cork. But I suppose the bit which ties me to the IFB, and thanks to the help from uh, Grant Gordon and uh, Hugh Davies, you will remember, was with the IFB, was I went and set up the Family Business Network in Ireland. 
Uh, about 10 years ago, and we had our first event in this very room. Amazing. Um, I, I suppose where that leads and why I'm here is once I stood down from our business and uh, began, uh, retrained as a coach and mentor, it, it, it's my passion and my interest to develop and support family talent from any age and stage. Um, we know that family businesses need asset growth. We know they need consensus and, and agreement. And we know people who are very focused on all of those areas. But my piece is on the development, coaching and mentoring of successors, but successors from any stage, thinking about joining, joining, developing a career, uh, doing well in a career, trying to get out of the business, trying to reinvent themselves, and then maybe joining the board and becoming family council. Um, with that in mind, finally, I've written a book. Uh, I decided to put it down in writing and had it published by a very helpful editor and owner in Oxford. It's called The Successor's Voice. Leadership Lessons Learned as a Successor to a Family and Business. And we are launching the book in this very room this evening. So you may see fireworks and uh, starlight over <laughs> there, but I can assure you we'll be having a very good time for the deal. Thank where, you very much. Where can we get a copy? You can get a copy on, I believe from today, on Amazon and on Book Depository. Excellent. I'd like to try and get it out at independent bookshops, but that will take a little bit longer. Yeah. And I believe it will be coming out in a digital book as well. But it is for successors. Amazing. So that's um, why Philip is on the call today, because today is a deep dive around this specific issue around succession. And uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. But before then, I just want to share a poll um, and just see where everyone on the call is. So uh, just a single question. Just launched that for a moment. And uh, if you could have a look and give us your answer. So, you know, where are you? Hopefully you can see the results there. So. Uh, good spread, helping people with succession, uh, finished succession, talking about succession, thinking about succession. So we've got we've got everyone here, uh, full full spectrum. Okay, so look, let's let's get into it. Um, and um, Matt, um, let's come to you. Thanks, Nick. Okay, great introduction. Thanks, uh, Nick and Philip. Uh, to continue uh, their thinking and build a little bit on what we were talking about last time. Um, I want to set the scene by looking at uh, this organizational chart. So it's a, a great tool for a business, but what we're looking at today is going to be the complexity that goes on between those boxes in, in an organizational chart that might not really tell the full picture. Um, I'm, of course, talking about uh, referring to relationships. Um, I think generally they're probably the most difficult part of most businesses. Uh, certainly that's something that we see. Um, and I think this can be especially true when you're thinking about family businesses. Um, when you think about it, that's probably not entirely surprising. Um, you can get very strong family bonds in family businesses, of course, um, but also nobody argues uh, quite like family either. So this chart starts to hint at some of the problems that can really spark a match to a, a fraught family dynamic. Uh, for example, you can be introducing new personalities as the business grows. Um, you can be looking at the, the power and influence dynamic at different levels um, and obviously just ever growing complexity of interpersonal and, and family dynamics as the business is expanding. Um, I'm sure you probably get, get a picture and if I took a pen and, and drew lines between some of those boxes and showed all of the different factions and generations um, and the individual relationships, it wouldn't look so clean and simple a structure as what you see on the page there. Um, with all that in mind, it, it shouldn't be surprising that when you make a significant change in a business uh, to the structure and the leadership uh, like succession, 
uh, it's probably going to be quite a, a challenging period for the, the whole family and for the employees as well. Um, so for that reason, we like to try and start with the end in mind and, and build structure and strength of relationships as soon as you can and kind of start to build towards positive history for your business to have a solid base to work from. Um, uh, Philip, you had, you had an interesting point when we were talking about um, history and, and legacy, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think what I was trying to get at, certainly when, with the legacy of our business, you know, when we started working with our family, you know, the legacy was, I suppose, manifest very much in the values, which, which really had got the family to where they are or, or were at the present time. So the legacy of where the business has come from and the legacy as well, I think, is interesting, always looking at the legacy of family involvement, what has been the patterns of family involvement or non-involvement over the years leading up to where you are again, easier to ascertain if there's a few more generations to look at. And I suppose the final bit that struck me about legacy is legacy also influences how people talk amongst themselves about what's going on now and about what the future might contain. So that legacy bit is, is sort of wound up. So, so I think for practical points for a successor or someone looking at this, get a handle on what the, how the family being involved in the past, um, get a handle on some of the real key bits on what's brought the business to where we are, but also get a handle on how people talk about the business and, 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 and how they express it and their aspirations, involvement, non-involvement. Um, and, you know, in, in, in that way, it'll help you understand the, yeah, sort of the lay of the land of what, what's actually going on around here. Yeah, amazing. Matt, is it okay if I pick up on that? Yeah, go for it, Nick. Yeah, so um, uh, they're great points. And um, I think at the top of this session, then uh, we're emphasizing uh, right up front uh, that it's about relationship. I think it's a nice way to think about business. It's a sort of set of really dynamic, mutually beneficial relationships. Um, and if you get that point, uh, that at the heart of it all is this idea of relationship. And relationship is the way that you gain influence with each other. And uh, just start thinking as we start talking about this, about the quality of that we're going to come on to it a little bit later you know what's the quality of the way that you are in relationship with your family and your colleagues your suppliers your team etc mm -hmm. what's the quality of that um and and i think philip you know uh to your kind of point you're talking about this you know your great history of your family business um and how we talk to each other that the, there's a story there right as well yeah. yes and the story is really important and uh is, is that is that True for you? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think there's a sort of public story, which is the story probably given down as, as, as what's generally talked about. In, if, if people even know much about the business and what you yeah. find is families get bigger, people outside have other careers, other interests. And, and for them, even, you know, often part of what we find this time is, is you often have to explain the legacy. But I think the key thing in that is, is, is keep the language simple. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing will turn off successors and younger generation than sort of fancy you know, in-house language, keep it simple, go back in, because that's probably the first thing to build consensus yeah. around what it is you own and where it's come from. And, and, you know, other people don't have it, so you have it, so use it. I think it's a really nice way uh, to think about um, how uh, to develop as a family business is uh, as a developing narrative and think about what you want that to be like. So let, let's just get into this idea. I just want to kick off uh, by making an obvious point that in succession, uh, Often, often it's not just two, but let's just start with two. So you have these two people and um, it's not normally a written down formal agreement. It's uh, like a psychological agreement. You know, you're going to succeed me. Mm -hmm. um, it's very informal. Uh, it's very ambiguous. 
and it's filled with uh, with difficult to understand ambiguity and assumption. Like, for example, you might think that the older person in the duo knows what they're doing and knows more about it than you, you know, but that's not necessarily the case. And you might think that the older person in the duo um, has more of a command of the emotional landscape. But for them, if you really take a step back, they have no clue about what's next for them. Um, just as much as you might not have any clue as the younger person about what's next for you. So, so one thing to think about is you kind of tie yourself into this ambiguous bond. Uh, it's kind of uh, aligned around some event, which is normally undated. Um, and your needs are different, apart from there's going to be this event where you'll be there together, right? So I just like the idea of the landscape where neither of you are likely to be in the same emotional place at any point. Neither of you are likely to be in the same developmental place at any point. And also you're finding it hard to talk about that. So do you have a kind of view on that? Well, I suppose two things you describe. I mean, taking from the sort of coaching piece, you have this sort of um, child, adult, sort of parent piece, mm. which in relationships you sort of work through. I think in the family business sphere, the thing that I found helpful and brought into coaching and working with people is understanding the various stages of the adult life. And, and, and when you superimpose then that of the founder or the, let's call the senior generation people, yeah. and then the, the next generation of successors coming up, you really have to go on matching those. And I think part of the skill at any stage is understanding where those sort of reciprocal relationships are at yeah. any stage, because there are certain trigger points, certain issues, certain stages that, that you have to go through. Um, in a smaller, tighter family, it's, it's probably very evident. In, in a wider family, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. But I think that succeeded, succeeding piece works well. Because again, you I mean they're thinking about what's happening next in so much as you're trying to work out, like, why am I here? And how do I make a contribution? And you have a kind of an ideal way, like I've written down here, you know, what's the core pain, which is such a, I like, it's a great question. So like for each party, what is the thing they're most frightened of, most worried about, or is their deepest unmet need? And, you know, um, if people find it hard to go there, right. And to really open up and talk about that. I, I, I think probably, um, mutual recognition and understanding mm. on, on on both sides i mean family family business leadership is is three things it's it's interesting it's varied and it's most possibly thankless because yeah. you are all the time often trying to sort of second guess whether you're doing well how you're doing what what other people are thinking and and what what you need to achieve yet next and obviously for the for the more more senior individual it's it's more around well, what is going to happen next? And yeah. So there is the reciprocal worry as you move away from the business worries. There's the ownership and then passing it on. Yeah. I I I don't think it ever really stands still. And and I suppose the one constancy in, in this which you've got to understand is the impact of time yes. on individuals, which is succession. Yes. I mean, it, it's agreements, it's stuff. But I think at the core of it is this understanding of the different stages and the time is a good good place to start. I think. Yes, of course. In the different developmental stages of life, it's a natural cycle, right? So, you know, people are moving on in that natural cycle. Um, I think it's a really good idea to then think about it as a relationship and perhaps to think about the 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 two having having needs to have help to acknowledge yeah. each other, yeah. each other's role in this reciprocal. Yeah, and, and, and often there, there might be a case where you just need time out. Yeah, like, like like they do in American football, yeah, yeah. bashing off each other. Well, well, let's stand back, take yeah. a bit of time out. Yeah, somebody working outside, as I did for quite a time. Yeah, yeah. It isn't on any individual. It's just time out of the system of the demands of the piece. Yeah, maybe time to go and reset and say, well, 
how can I, you know, how can I take command of my value? What really can I bring back here? Yeah. Uh, because you don't really want to see anybody hurt, but people do get hurt and things do happen. And sometimes you can time out. I, I, I don't mean time out and do nothing. It's time out and use it constructively to work out what comes next through time. And still you feel that freshness and motivation to get back into the tribe. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, and then things will have changed. The company or the family and things will have moved on and other yeah. opportunities will and present themselves. So this slide is just sort of taking it in a more realistic um, place, uh, which is really, it's really two, yeah. right? So I think you had a nice kind of point here from your family history about branch, branches. It can, like it becomes branches at some point. Well, I suppose the branch piece is, is, is inevitable because if you look back in large family with three three branches we're all you know wonderful people and then get on well with them um, and and i suppose the branch piece comes from ownership mm -hmm. in the past and of course the natural tendency is to is to work to keep you know representation goal representation probably within the ownership i suppose as you go through and maybe the ownership gets a little bit diluted i think you've got two bits going on you you've got maybe the branch representation on the ownership on the board side but then the family piece comes down to personalities people who want to unify people who want to be involved so maybe it should be more mixed up when it comes down to actually managing the family as we do in a larger family but that takes time to transition over yeah and the branch thing isn't isn't bad per se it's a very natural place for people to start but i think in in, in time it, you know really what you're saying by getting away with branches is you're being to focus back on individuals and what they want to achieve, mm -hmm. their own voice, mm -hmm. hence, hence the thing around my book, but also how they can, you know, gain acceptance and work within sometimes quite large families. Yeah, in I think one of the interesting things that we find, and Matt, maybe you'd like to come in on this, um, uh, that sometimes, uh, you know, when it gets to this kind of branch stage, it can get a little bit tribal. Um, <laughs> that, that resonate with you, Matt? I, I certainly agree with that. And I think you've, got a, a good point right at the top there it becomes complex you know you, you've a much wider variety of people coming from different places and just like anywhere you just start to form groups tribal is a great way to describe it um, and as well as all of the personal interpersonal relationships you have the relationships then between the groups so you've got groups you've got family you've got interpersonal um yeah, I think complex is a is a very fair way of putting it at the top of your slide, Nick. Yeah, so people will either get on or not get on across the family branches, within the family branches, but quite often you find because of the way the um, succession in shares goes that the family branches have uh, a sort of an equity stake, which is equal, and that kind of creates this additional kind of imaginary barrier for a relationship because there's like, you know, it's perceived sometimes as kind of one stake. Isn't it? And so that you just it, these kind of strange structures kind of drive odd um, barriers that shouldn't really be there. And I guess part of the thing that we're thinking about here is how do you then come back to this idea of relating? I think this next slide is really lovely. And Philip, this was uh, you on uh, on Joe Astrakhan's. Yeah, uh, I mean, Joe is, is is a very eminent uh, professor of uh, family business and states. I mean, he's probably spoken within the IFB. I, 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 in, in the interest of disclosure, I have to say that he did endorse the book. He read it. <laughs> Luckily, he didn't send it back to me with lots of red pen through it. I really would have been in trouble. But I one thing I remember getting him over to speak to the family a number of years ago within FPN, and, and, and he, you know, coming back to the brass tacks of all this, how can you assess where you are on a relationship with an individual in your family, particularly if there's a little bit of a gap there? And he came up with the three variables, you know, how often do you meet? 
but then you know how much time do you spend together in each of those meetings uh, and, and 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 then how deep are your conversations and you know if you're meeting people in in passing and you're sort of fitting over the sort of top areas um i i, I suppose maybe you have to decide well is it worth finding time I and mean, i suppose it does go to what is family business leadership because everybody focuses on the, yeah on the board stuff but there's yeah. family stuff there too yeah but you need family people some family people doesn't suit everybody's personality to sort of go in there and just spend time with them talk to them and understand what they because because that's what people really need and, and want and as the family gets bigger you know talking to the branch pieces you were saying one thing that strikes me is that within a branch setting if you talk about that really everybody's mindset is around the actual collective yeah once you get away from that and and you begin to talk about individual family members and profiles then you begin to work out what people can can bring to the party what their value is and people yeah. can begin to see themselves because as families grow all, you know certain roles come up and again in my, my book i try and profile six possible successor you know, roles, types of roles. Yeah. I've probably done them all yeah. through accident of history or, or time or decisions. Yeah. But ultimately, we're trying to get it back to uh, what people want to discover for themselves. Because once once they have that, it does take time. And it probably helps to have one or two individuals in the family who are saying, well, we're not going to be all trying to get on the board or head the family council, but we are going to be there to try and work with people, support them, talk to them. And you'll find that's where I think a lot of succession is actually unlocked. Yeah. Because you're tapping into potential. Some people in the family go, well, not particularly interested in that. I, I want to go away and do something else. Someone will say, yeah, I'm interested in X, but talk me through it. And they may go away and then given that time out and then come back with, and make an amazing contribution. I mean, it is a bit of luck, but it's the passage of time. I love that. So maybe on another session, we can come back into exploring these six roles with you. Um, sure. And um, um, what I'm thinking is it's going to give us an opportunity for people to think about, um, like, um, I'm going to take you back to this idea of story. What character could I be in my family story? That's could I be, exactly right. you know, could I number one role? Is well, that, where, is that where me? Where can I find my voice? Where can I find my I mean, voice? Not everybody wants to work. I mean, some yeah. people do. Some yeah, people yeah. And, and, and Different I, pathways, know, you, right? You hear this dyad between working and it or not, or yeah. just the two. I mean, I'm sick of it because I think reasonably quickly families do have different because they get into non-profit entrepreneurship you you have the sort of unifiers who want to bring everyone together and serve on councils you have the ownership uh, roles which mm -hmm. are clearly board or maybe family office senior roles and then you have the actual career successors and one other one that I talk to is transition successors and yeah not everybody wants to stay in it not everybody yeah. can yeah some people need to move out that's a difficult thing to do it takes a lot of guts yeah interesting. And, but there is a a method and a way of, of doing that so people can look at it and say well actually i I this but maybe in time i might fit there so it's again giving the successors at any age and stage I, I don't differentiate between next generation to my mind is quite a tight concept maybe works quite well maybe first to second perhaps but very very quickly you get what people are calling blended generations i really don't know what that means yeah because at that stage you've got to look at people as individuals as individuals the 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 difficulty in all this of course is it takes time yeah it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort but you know if you don't put in the time why should you be in ownership to be honest so i love that point and just maybe come back to the slide here the astrakhan comments like um so here just starting to talk about the um as a part of the solution okay thinking about different things that you could do is super helpful but here you're talking about the roots of relating so this one two three we have on this slide just talk to that for a second and this quality piece 
Um, well, well, I suppose, you know, bringing it back to, you know, if you're going to go through a, a succession process, I wrote down uh, three words here. First, you've got to build some sort of consensus. So that is getting the family together. Often do you meet, beginning to get them used to spending time around each yeah. other. Yeah. And then you sort of flush out, well, do we want to stay in, in business as a family together or do we not? And, and as that works on, you've got to enjoy spending time together. Yes, there are going to be outliers. Yes, there are going to be certain personalities that clash. But I think if you've got a, a sufficient interest and belief in the business, and many of them may not know much about it, but great, yeah. there's yeah. a good place to start. Help yeah. them find out. Yeah. Don't talk down to them. Help them. You know, successors believe what they discover for themselves. Yeah. You know, you're not going to tell people what they're going to do. That, just that thinking has gone. Yeah. You've got to give people the tools and the ability to, to go out and find it and work their own way. And it's, and it's like finding and, and then I suppose... The how deep are your conversations? I don't know whether this comes in now, but it just like me, that probably talks to, you know, don't try and take the tough issues first. Deal with the low-hanging fruit in your conversations as you work through to agreement. I mean, it might, you know, who is family? Who comes in? Who comes out? How do you bring them in? Maybe don't deal with that in your first few years of meeting. Maybe look at that a little bit further down the line. Yeah. Once you've got used to building up that, that, that ease with with working with each other it's not easy but it can be done yeah so you so really we're talking about build, building up conversational competency the ability to talk through yeah. issues and then fundamentally problem solving with each other and starting to learn how to enjoy yeah. problem solving with each other and being comfortable with the difficulty because it's going to be yeah. up and down right and matt on that point um maybe you can just chat to um uh, kind of our methodology here which you know we really love this gottman stuff yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a natural progression from from the points on the last slide. It's, they're quite good indicators. Some of these points from Gottman Institute um, that you might not be getting some of the points on the last slide exactly right. So you might not have perfectly productive, healthy relationships, and these can be just some signposts which help point you to that fact. So you have got the three R's at the top of the slide there. Uh, so these are things you should be trying to do in your relationships and. Perhaps for people that are here today, to have a think about a relationship you consider important to you. So this could be uh, personal as well as something relating to work. Uh, so the framework's actually originally put together uh, with couples in mind, as well as I think uh, Nick was telling me yesterday, uh, lawyers and doctors and their dynamics with their patients uh, were put into the to that part of the study as well. Um, so try asking yourself for these top ones how do you show respect you know do you uh treat them in, in that person in a way which makes them feel respected both in in public and when you're in private um are you responsive so are you uh, engaging and understanding to their needs um and do you think you're reliable so are you there for them when they need you and do you follow through on what you say you're going to do are some just really solid points to think about and to try and work on in all of the all relationships, not just ones where they come up as, as red flags. Um, and then the second part at the bottom is more of a uh, look out for these points and, and trying to avoid them at all costs. They can act as a bit of a red flag, the bottom ones. Um, they're called the Four Horsemen, which is a wonderfully dramatic name that I really like. That's probably apt. Um, and the Four Horsemen are uh, contempt, uh, criticism, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Find it helpful to look at those ones as more of a um, red flag from either side. So something, uh, is this something that I'm doing when I'm angry and I'm upset? Or is this something that somebody else is doing while we're in a bit of conflict and trying to work through uh, something in our relationship? 
either way, it's, it's quite a good indication that um, the relationship might need a little bit of work. There's something that's not going quite right. And perhaps if it's something you've been really struggling with, um, it, some outside perspective could help you work through a roadblock if that's the point you've got to. Um, Nick, I know you've, you've heaps of experience kind of working through difficult relationships. Um, how, how do you tend to work through these when, when you come up to one of the four horsemen? Um, so just to, to add to all of that, I think, Matt, you're going to hear it in the language. Of course you are. But, um, but um, you know that we, uh, we, we start also with, um, we start with the body. Uh, and when we're uncomfortable, we hear, we hear about that from our body. Our body tells us we're out of, out of, out of comfort and we're becoming stressed. So think about like climbing up to the top board in the swimming pool and standing on the edge. You know, your body tells you instantly that's not a great place to be unless you're used to being there. Um, and so in our interpersonal relationships, we can very quickly get up the ladder uh, to a high kind of wobbly place and the body starts to send off alarms. Right. So, so um, yeah, you'll hear it in the language, but fundamentally you feel it. Um, and uh, so I would say there's a quality of the way that you feel in your relationship, whether you feel OK, not OK. Um, and uh, there's a tonality in your relationship so you hear you hear the tone right so you're watching the body language you're picking up the subtle signals you're hearing the tonality and of course your body is firing off all sorts of inferences and assumptions about that so often it's not what's said it's about how it's said and so what you really need to do with people is yeah sure share these concepts so they can start to tune in to them maybe you write them up on the wall so that it's like really obvious you can kind of spot them but fundamentally it's in the interpersonal uh energy and tone and that's where you have to go like and if you know you're in a good place uh you can be uncomfortable but feel safe right um and so therefore you would know that you can problem solve because you know that you can you have responsiveness you have reliability you have respect you know that the other person is going to work to find a solution whereas if you're feeling uncomfortable and you don't feel safe instead what happens is you get into the four horsemen so the barriers will go up and you don't feel that you can solve the problem you don't necessarily believe the other person is on your side and so therefore everything goes in the wrong direction right so it's really about are we are we relationally going in the right direction and can we tolerate this level of discomfort and then if you can oh my god you can break big rocks together and it's amazing mm -hmm. yeah do you want to comment on that sure. yeah um yeah i mean i suppose it's 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 you know it's, it's it's again it's going to be very much driven by how much time you you are going to be spending like alongside individuals and and actually working working with them and um, i do think that you know there's a certain element of generosity in this yeah that, that needs to be brought in at times yeah and then there is probably to be fair to people is that there is an, uh, and this is why guys like um, you guys come in and i think i do in my mentoring efforts is, is the whole effort of taking people privately and, and, and bringing yeah. them out and helping them get to a certain position because at times it, it may just be that people need that time out yeah in in order to to sort of process what is being thrown at them uh, which may be very very new to them yeah yeah, so just here, just like tune into that. If you're thinking about your family, your relationships, maybe it's all good. Do you have that quality where, you know, you can tolerate the uncomfortable conversation and break through? Uh, or are you struggling to have that resourcefulness in your relationship that you can do that and doesn't go in the wrong, wrong direction and you end up like looping and not solving? So just think about that for a minute. So let's just um, uh, just reference quickly this. So what we're really saying here is the governance is important. 
but um, um, it's um, got to start with building uh, the, your ability to talk. And as you start to problem solve, then the governance becomes really powerful because you write that down. You know, you write down your agreements and you kind of, you know, you write down where you've got to and, yes. cre and create the written yeah. the written contract yeah. and take out the ambiguity. Does that make sense? Yeah, it takes time and take, as, as people know, it takes them takes an awful lot of effort. I mean, I suppose what 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 people do are learning and giving themselves time to to again work through the issues. I I think I would go back to still to this important point of not trying to do too much too early and then giving people time out to sort of process some of some of the information that they're being given and, and some of the um, decisions that they're maybe being asked to make. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I suppose one, you know, once you've done that, hopefully you've got to the stage where, where you have something that acts as a broad, you know, guideline for you. It depends how big your agreement is and how wide and to what level and, and to what, what degree of sophistication. But then you've got to come out of that and work on some more stuff. Yeah. And this is important, I think. So you do the same in trading between organizations where, in, again, you're trying to take the uncertainty out of the relationship and make people confident enough to take risk with each other. So it's kind of the same thing. But here we're just interpersonal. And some of it is, um, you know, you're starting to write down what you've agreed. So it doesn't have to be legal, but we're 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 sort of creating like a, a set of values, a set of agreements that we're being reliable and responsive around and we're respecting. And it can be legal. You know, you can take it that extra stage and make it a shareholders agreement or yeah. a formal constitution, you know, yeah. and bind people to it. You know, and in the more complex organizations, that's probably what you're going to end up with, right? So yeah, yeah because there's more people and the document becomes like the central place we've got to. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it comes down again that wider, long succession process of, of time. And once you've got the consensus, you're going to have the actual agreement. Yeah, yeah. But then what comes next? It seems to me, in the absence of sort of extreme circumstantial testing or things going wrong or business issues that are really need to be dealt with, and you've yeah. seen that, then the next piece, it seems to me, is, is the engagement of your successors. Yes. And, and however you choose to do that. At the same time, the trick is giving them sufficient space if they're not involved on, on the day to day to get on with their own lives, but making it sufficiently real, coming back, I think, to those type of profiles, yeah. depending on what you might need. Yeah. And as for relationships, you know, I, I think it becomes pretty obvious over time, yeah. you know, who wants to do it, who's good at building bridges and building things, but then you suddenly see people have come out with amazing qualities and mm -hmm. insights and, mm -hmm. and, and they've just been waiting to mm -hmm. actually do it and, and and again don't rush it you know yeah. keep it going keep it going i think it's a trick to keep them keep some momentum going yeah and this is where the leadership is and someone's got to be leading it someone's got to be putting the questions on the table what are we going to work next with the head of the family council or your group of family directors or the family ceo yeah but you know someone's got to be doing that it's the work of a life right Yes, it isn't going away. It isn't going away. So, 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 um, Matt, do you want to just uh, take us through kind of some other solutions, uh, things that you can kind of build around this? Yeah, that's it's such a good point on on the the governance side. It's it's uh it's a solid base to put your feet down on and start to work. And some some problems are solved by governance, and some problems is kind of a, a next step to start to work through them. So you might you might have been looking at some of the frameworks that we've talked through so far and thinking, uh, yes, there's definitely more work I could be doing in relationships, but I've tried a variety of approaches. We have the governance piece already. Uh, we don't really seem to be getting anywhere. So now where do we go from there? Um, well, this is where we kind of introduce the outside perspective and some outside support, which can really help 
knock down some of those barriers and look, look at it from a different angle. Uh, we, we like to think of it in terms of uh, private and public interactions as both can be quite different. Uh, you probably already know this if you're in a family business and from your own experience of working with your family, interactions you have with them in private and publicly when you're walking around the business um, or in, in a, the boardroom might be very different. So we like to kind of follow on with those lines and we approach it from working uh, privately. So that's something like coaching is primarily. Um, so we use this in a coaching context to focus on working on you, to look at your goals, to look at self-improvement and anything really, which is really important to you personally. And then on the other side of that, uh, we generally like to look at a kind of facilitation approach. So in the public domain, so this would be working with a full group of people, uh, family, business leaders, shareholders, really anybody that's important to the business or specifically important to that issue that we might be working through at the time. And this tends to be uh, perhaps a more active and uh, action driven. Uh, the picture we've got on the slide there is really a good example of getting up around the board with everybody around, getting some post-its up, our signature post-it piece. Um, and this dual approach is, um, we find is, is really, really effective, you know, equipping people with the tools they need in private and working through some of those issues that are probably more appropriate to work through in private um, and then getting everybody into the public domain to work through a common problem together. It's a really powerful approach, which feeds both sides. Um, and Philip, you were, you were saying that you also think that approach is, in your experience, has been really effective. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when I was writing the book, I, I, I was trying to look at it, the point of, you know, the aspect of, you know, what are the things that, that you can make available to successors, help them solve and manage these and, and, and work through the issues. And clearly there's coaching and mentoring. I think the other piece, which is sort of play on, on the facilitation piece is, you know, is that, you know, for those who are working or thinking about to start working in the business, the relationship, you know, comes down as well to how do you relate to your non-family employees, non-family yeah. board members, yeah. customers. Yeah. You know, it isn't just about within the family. And you've yeah. got to give people the space to get out there. And I think any successor who's putting putting the hard yards in, he or she knows that. Yeah. And 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 and, and allowing them to experiment and, and, and sort of work through that and sort of get on with it. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the final bit on relationships is... Again, it isn't just, you know, you on your own or you and your family and the employees. There's also the other family business and the other people there, your, your peers in the IFB, which is why we're on this call. But I think somewhere in the mix of talking to successors and the next generation successors, sometimes these options and these approaches have got a little bit lost because you're trying to give them the tools and they give them the agency to decide for themselves yeah and that's what i tried to write about in the books so they read well if you're going to set up your own support i call it support it could be solving relationships could be managing but it's about support and finding your own way in the world well well here are a few options and there are ways of doing it but of course matt's absolutely right at this core stage certainly that facilitation People will be comfortable with that, but when they're, you know, that's what you're doing when you're doing actual agreements. But you may have other issues that come on down the road as a family counselor, as a family, that having someone out there in the room who can work with you, ask the difficult questions and, and, and help people through it, yeah. uh, act as a facilitator to use your word. And for other people, particularly, I think, particularly people working in, I mean, I would say this, wouldn't I, because I am a coach and mentor, but I absolutely believe it because I didn't have the sense to find this early in my career because mm -hmm. it wasn't as, as evident talked about. 
So I talk about this in, in the book. It's very important to find someone who can mentor you. Coaching is around particular issues. Um, you know, mentoring is someone who actually holds up a mirror to you and, yeah. and works with you yeah. over a period of time. And some of the clients that I work with, people who are on boards, you know, family members thinking about joining the company. Yeah. So take the successor away, sit down with him or her, yeah. work through what does it mean? What do you know about it? giving them this private space and because it's top of mind of the senior generation back back to that uh, chart we had earlier, yeah. which is going to give the agency and the time and some sort of resource for these people, because these people will believe what they discover for themselves and they'll make their own decisions about it, yeah. uh, as we see. Amazing. Great points. So so just taking it on a little bit and then um, we're close to, close to the close. Um, we're going to open up uh, <laughs> the store, as it were, the coffee shop for, yes. for a bit of chat in a minute. Um, and hopefully you guys can can hang around and ask some questions. If you want to post some questions to Philip or me or to Matt up in the in the chat, please do. Um, so this is kind of um, uh, this is quite a slide. Uh, so <clears throat> in a way, I want to apologize for this slide. There's a lot of info on this one. Um, on the right hand side, uh, you've got this kind of dynamic between reasonable reactive. Okay, so reasonable mind, you know, focuses on the facts. Uh, can suppress or ignore emotion, feeling, sensation, the body uh, makes decisions based on what makes sense, is more kind of around think, uh, reactive mind, you know, will focus on on feeling, on the sensation, on the body, I don't feel good about this, I'm not comfortable about this, I'm angry, you know, um, can be reactive, defensive, makes decision on what feels good, and so it's more around feel. So, like, I would just say, uh, if you tune into this uh, momentarily, your body uh, is signaling to you all the time. But because most of the time it's not very contrasting, uh, the mind uh, deletes it because uh, it's trying to organize its energy. And But it will notice it on the contrast. So it will notice if you feel really flat. It will notice it if you feel really energized. It will notice it if you feel a change. Right. So we tend to only notice uh, these feelings in the sort of big macro moments. Some people are more sensitive and have that feeling all the time. But it is, whether you notice it or you don't notice it, it's always there and it's always driving this. So really, um, reasonable is not devoid of feeling. It's just that the intensity of the energy is lower. And so you can access these kind of thoughts, reflective thoughts a little bit easier. And then when the energy is high, it kind of pushes you, pushes your body and it pushes your thoughts. And so you get that kind of point focus and you, and you lose perspective, but you get a lot of energy. So it's very powerful. So reactive is a word power. Reasonable is all about detail, right? And I just want to say that it's normal to be in the flow of that, the up and down of that. So um, uh, you all even today be thinking about, you know, your your you know things you've got to do after this, or maybe you're engaged with this. And as you're listening to it and you're thinking about your own story, your mind is very involved in some inner narrative and the emotion is up and down about that. Right. So reasonable reactive are together. They're always a dynamic. They're always in flow. They're always more or less one, more or less the other. Um, and the other place you need to access in order to start working through things is this space on the left, which we call wise mind. And so Philip's point about mentor or coach, or it can be somebody in your family, someone you can just talk to, they can be really super helpful because they, I'm going to say they're not on your side, they're by your side, right? So, you know, they're not there to be on your side and fight for you, fight your battles. They're there to be by your side and try and help you access wisdom and bring you out of this flow where you're just totally involved. And in this space, encourage you to become more open about what's going on, to be less judgmental about your, your relationships, to find some generosity or compassion 
Um, and, and then you can access, maybe if you've got this, not everyone has this, but if you've got this, you can access an inner voice and observe a voice, a sort of part of yourself that can see it from a distance. So that's a great way of describing perspective. Like you can see the narrative over there. Here, maybe you're the writer rather than the character, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of idea. Um, and you access intuition and you can think, okay, how can I rewrite this scene? You know, I love that. How can I rewrite this scene so the dynamic shifts? And in this place, it's about, you know, you can access your knowing, you know, which is your deeper experience. But you can't do that when you're in flow. Uh, you can't do that when you're in flow. So the mentor is a great person to help you shift your energy. So being with a mentor will, will hopefully help you shift your energy more into this uh, perspective. And that's, I think, fundamental to, to how it works. Um, Matt, do you want to just pick up this quickly and talk about dead cats and labyrinths? <laughs> Uh, yeah, goodness, you give me a few seconds to get through a very uh, extensive subject, Nick. Um, it's, it's a couple of tools that we use to kind of hit off some of the points that Nick's talked to there. Um, so dead cats is a concept where you have got something which you really need to tackle. Uh, we call it a dead cat because it's something which you might be um, kind of put away to one side in the corner. It's quite unpleasant. Uh, people can see it. You might be able to smell it. You know it's there and you need to deal with it, but it's something you really want to try and avoid because it's really difficult. So you can probably um, you can probably think of some of those kind of conversations that you might be avoiding um, in some of your difficult uh, relationship dynamics. So we like to uncover those and we have a process of um, moving through those difficult conversations kind of on the second point, getting into the conversational labyrinth. Um, and we've got a really good uh, toolbox that we use to help people try and bring their emotions down. We give people structure. We like to um, use coaching as a way of preparing people for having those conversations and really taking people into a place of uh, a space of safety where they can work through those difficult conversations and try and tackle some of the issues which have been ultimately holding up what's really important in the business because of you know, brought dynamics over those issues. A great way of describing it, Matt. Thank you uh, for that. And so you can kind of see that it'd be useful to have someone who's not so directly involved there to help you find and bury the dead cats. And uh, we all know these conversations that we fear having, don't want to have, trying to avoid. So that's like immediately like a, a labyrinth of the mind where all our worst demons might occur and they're all dark, shifty corners. So this is like a good metaphor for uncertainty. Um, the brain hates uncertainty and immediately goes into you know, alert mode, um, right? So so it's great to have someone again, who's with you to help you map that space. You map your way through it and get out the other side safely. Uh, and so that's that's just a beautiful kind of, beautiful kind of tool. So look, you know, some tools there, some ideas and some thoughts. Um, I guess just to wrap up on all of this, nobody's succession journey is the same. I think that's what this slide is kind of telling us. And, uh, you know, it's not done in a day. Um, do you have a kind of final comment on that? Does that make yeah, sense to you? Yeah, I mean, the journey piece is probably sometimes over you because the thing about succession is you don't really know where you're going. I mean, I, I, I like uh, in, in many ways, but I, I like this idea of succession as, as the unfolding of time. Yeah. And in the book, I write about the sort of long wave of succession between generations and how that looks, particularly in those change of relationships. Then you have the medium changes just of the general business and business environment, business vision, selling businesses, buying businesses, COVID, heaven help us, yeah. all of that piece. And then there's a slightly shorter piece, which I think is becoming more important. It's that 
careers and expectations and the sort of career cycles and those role cycles within an individual career and how you can make contribution over a lifetime. The skill is to be able to look at that through a timepiece and sort of layer one on top of the other for your own family, for your own business and for yourself and say, you know, where, where do I fit in? How can I fit in? If, if, if I don't know about this, who can I get to sort of work with and help me? Yeah. Just as you say, to unravel the bits. It doesn't, I mean, nothing of this is perfect. There are no answers in any of this, but I think there's a general, which is why on the cover of the book, I have a compass because you're yeah. giving people, you know, you're giving people a compass, not necessarily a map, but I think the key bit in this, and this is where my interest comes in, it's taking it away from the collective, the generation thing, the family thing up to a point, but bringing it back to the level of the individual successor and mm -hmm. helping them work and find success. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, I think it all else follows mm -hmm. because if you leave them out in the cold, I think people gradually lose interest and walk away. And that's a shame if you want to keep going as a family business over time. I love that. And a uh, nice way to, to, to wrap up, uh, to um, come back to this idea of bringing people into a relationship, you know, and then uh, helping them with the compass, uh, using that to, to guide them through all of this. So um, quick summary there. It's complex, messy, emotional. There's no way around it you've just got to tackle that uh, the analytical side is going to be supported by relationships and learning how to manage the harder conversation ships so relationship first you kind of need neutral wise capable help um, that uh, compass if you like um, um, it's really important for people to feel it's solvable so you know maybe a core of this is you know bringing your ability to solve things up maybe that's a good way to think um and that's obviously in relationships um and and it's really important to know that you can access loads of prior experience you don't have to work this out first time uh, other people have been through this plenty of people can give you pointers um you'll have to find your own way but there's lots of clues out there in organizations like uh, ifb and fbn and great people like philip here yeah you can give you a bit of a a helping hand so um, just very quickly, and then we'll bring anyone who's left on the call back up. And if you want to chat, you can. If you don't, that's OK. We just say hi for a moment. But uh, next one up, um, 23rd of Feb, uh, we're going to just meet a founder. And uh, so it'll be uh, Matt, who runs uh, 10th Bridge, really inspiring guy working in transformational change. Uh, fabulous little business that he's he's been running. Um, and um, just a note for everyone that um, we're just organizing for the next leadership school to start. We're going to be doing leading yourself again. And so uh, the spring term is coming up. And uh, if you want to find out uh, who you are and what you could become, uh, get in touch and uh, come and work with uh, me on your journey of development and uh, hope to see as many of you as possible on that on that program it's online but we're super excited to think about maybe a retreat for you uh, those of you who join us in the in the summer